1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
2: Good morning. I am joined this morning by Master Gardener, Teresa Rooney. Good morning, Teresa.
3: Good morning, Denny. It's wonderful to be with you this morning.
2: Oh, it's so good of you to come back uh, this week. We promised uh, that you would be back. Indeed, you are. I know that you mentioned last week that you were going to do a little homework and a little research. I can't remember exactly what the topics were or subjects. I remember or subjects. them.
3: I wrote them down. Oh, you did? So, well, yes, what, I did. Uh, uh, so well, Diane let's, had, let's hear
2: that, and then okay, we'll there were only our listeners. T-
3: okay, there were only two. Um, so Diane had a question about why Catalpas don't recede as seemingly as well as they should. I think, first of all, they just don't put out as many seeds, but also because we clean up the pods. Excuse me. Oh, dear.
2: <coughs> oh, it happens oh, to it all happens. of us.
3: Mm. Um, and um, a lot of the seeds get eaten by uh, slugs and, uh, or not slugs, grubs and things like that. They need very moist conditions, too. To to seed to to start up to start growing to germinate the bunnies eat the little seedlings and we often mow the seedlings that are in our lawn so that's why you don't see catalpas everywhere Um, they don't pop up as much and they have less seeds the other one was northern accent roses and I slapped my head for this one I just didn't realize that was the Sven and Ola and Lini and Sigrid um, Lena and Sigrid uh, series of roses they're very hardy to zone 4a they're wonderful shrub roses. Uh, give them a little winter protection the first one or two years, uh, especially this year. I think if you put them in, give them some good winter protection. Protect them from bunnies, and they're good roses. That's my homework.
2: And what what were they called, Sven and Oli? <laughs> yeah,
3: they're they're the no- northern accent roses, and they're Sven and Lena and Oli and Sigrid. And if I mispronounce any of those, I apologize.
2: Well, that's correct with northern accent. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that makes it official. Uh, If you have uh, any kind of a lawn or garden question, we'd love to hear from you either by phone or by text. If you want to call and chat with Teresa, excellent. If you uh, just want to send a text like some folks are doing, that'd be good, too. So either way, here's the numbers, 651-461-9226. Teresa, a couple of uh, texts that uh, came in earlier today, both are kind of like maybe home remedy uh, type of okay. questions uh this listener says they came across a post that recommended putting baking soda on tomato plants to deter bugs from eating holes in the plants, and they were wondering if they've ever if you've ever heard of that and if it works on I, tomatoes, it would work on pepper plants.
3: You know, I'm, uh, the university does not suggest that you use home remedies. Uh, I would follow anything that the university says. If you want to put a barrier down, I'd suggest something like a kale and clay that is used in uh, fruit production. They use that on fruit trees a lot uh, as as a barrier uh, for things not to eat your plants. But usually there's not a lot of insects that are going to eat holes in the plants of the tomato leaves. And even if they do, the tomatoes usually have plenty of leaves, so it's not a problem. You can usually pick off the caterpillars or or uh, whatever you're having, the hornworms, whatever you're seeing on there. Uh, so, no, I don't suggest home remedies.
2: Well, here we are looking at uh, this, uh, this week's forecast. And, boy, we're going to be approaching 100 degrees <sighs> by uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, certainly in the 90s. Uh, and I don't see, outside of today, I don't really see any chances of showers for the Twin Cities area.
3: There isn't. And uh, maybe
2: others uh, surrounding. We seem to get yeah. missed a lot. We uh, do get missed. And,
3: and it's my un professional opinion that it's because we have a little heat dome and it just pushes everything away from us. That's my personal opinion. It seems like but, it. but the um university the extension dot dot edu actually has a great article on gardening and extreme drought and it tells you how you can prioritize what to water when to water. Always water in the morning if you possibly can before 10. That's the best time. And water the soil, not the plants themselves. Water the soil around where their roots are. Uh, but it's, it's a really good article on how to garden with extreme heat. And please, everyone, it's okay if it's between you dying and you watering your lawn. Forget the darn lawn. Just keep yourself safe. That's the oh, most course. important thing. Please hydrate. Please keep hydrating. Drink before you're thirsty. Be very vigilant about how you are and take care of your neighbors and um, elderly people who might have health issues. It's going to be really tough, and we all got to band together in this one. So please be no, careful because we want you always, back next week.
2: <laughs> we always like to hear, uh, uh, at least on CCO, to tell folks that uh, with you know, extreme heat like this, yeah. if you have neighbors or friends or relatives that maybe don't have A.C.,
3: Exactly, certain uh,
2: senior mm-hmm. citizens, people that uh, yep. have health issues, and uh, yep. help them out. It's going to yeah. be a tough week for them. Yeah, I bit.
3: don't have AC, and I have a lot of different things planned where I can keep cool and, and things like that. But there's people who aren't as fortunate as I am, so please yeah. just check on those people. And and uh, if you see people sitting around in a in a cool area, don't think they're they're being lazy. They might just be cooling down and trying to bring their core temperatures down so they can yeah. go back home again.
2: Absolutely. And again, if you have a lawn or garden question, call us or text us 651 A bunch of folks already have cool. sent in more text messages. Here's another one. I've heard it said, texter says that banana peels are a great source of fertilizer when dug into the base of a clematis vine. Would you speak about the benefits (gasps) of banana peels?
3: Yeah, banana peels are making the rounds on the, this is the cool thing. Well, they have some potassium. Yeah, plants need potassium. Uh, It would probably be better just to put those banana peels in your compost bin and let them compost there. They'll compost a little more quickly, maybe in your compost bin, and then use that compost around your clematis. Uh, yes, you can bury them near your clematis. That's not a problem. I just worry if you're burying uh, food scraps, you know, what are the raccoons going to do and the squirrels because you've dug up the soil and. And they may be interested, and then they dig down there, and then they do some damage to the roots. Um, it's not going to hurt the plants, but, you know, just put your veggie scraps in your compost bin and work it in that way and use your compost. That's the best way to get a, a good good help for your plants.
2: All right. And, again, don't forget to check out...
3: Work it in that way and use your compost. That's the best way to get a, a good, good help for your plants.
2: All right. And, again, don't forget to check out uh, the university's website as... Uh... As Teresa suggests, uh, extension.umn.edu. We'll mention that again. Good. Uh, this uh, listener, Teresa, says, "Why won't my nasturtiums bloom? They get plenty of sun and water. The flowers around them are blooming."
3: Uh, you might be being too nice to them. Nasturtiums like a very lean soil. So, uh, if you're if you're fertilizing your other flowers, they may just ha- the soil might just be too rich. They're similar to morning gl- morning glories in that respect. So, back off on fertilizing the The nasturtiums, and unless they're wilting, try to not water them as much. Be a little meaner to them, and then they will reward you with flowers. And you can eat the leaves. They're quite delicious if you aren't spraying anything weird on them. Go ahead and eat the leaves. They're kind of bittery and peppery, and they taste delicious. The bigger they are, the stronger flavored they are.
2: You're going to have to help me with this one. Uh, The listener wants to uh, says, tell me, please, about thorn apple. How poisonous is it? It looks pretty and exotic.
3: Huh, that's a new one on me. Yeah. Um <laughs> I'm going to have to investigate that let's one. Let's do this. Uh, it, it's bringing a little, ringing a little bell, but not a very loud one. The bell well, so, is very quiet.
2: If we can do that quickly, why don't uh, we'll, we'll take a break here? Maybe you can uh, put your big research mm-hmm. department to, together. Uh, and, I'll get uh, the
3: staff on it. Yep,
2: get the staff right on it. Thorn apple, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll take this break and uh, be right back. If you have any kind oh, of a or garden tura. question, call okay. us. Or text us, 651-461-9226 here on News Talk 830-WCCO. And right back to our Smart Garden Show. We're around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour answering your lawn and garden questions. This morning, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney doing that uh, very thing. 651-461-9226 A lot of text messages we have callers as well. But before we get to those phone callers, did you get any have any luck, Katrice, with yep. the thorn apple?
3: My research staff got me all the information I needed. It's oh, also us. called <laughs> the Latin name is Datura stramonium. It is a very poisonous plant. It is a tropical plant. We grow it as an annual. It can get up to 5 feet tall. Every part is poisonous, extremely poisonous. And uh, it gets uh, trumpet flowers, usually white or purple or pink or yellow or red. Usually the white and the yellow are the most uh, common that you're going to see. And then as the seeds come out, they're little balls, and they have little thorns all over them. So there we get thorn apple. Uh, it's also called devil's weed or devil's trumpet. So it's the Datura and yes, it makes a great annual. Just remember, it is very poisonous, so do not eat or ingest any
2: Part of it. Wow. Okay. Well, yep. thanks for checking that out. That's yep. good. My
3: staff is very good at researching. Very good.
2: Yes. Uh, let's uh, grab a phone call or two here before we pick up on more text messages. Levy is calling in from Jordan, I believe, this morning. Levy, what's your question for, for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney?
3: My question is about Oli Lena, and Sven Roses. Mm-hmm. I've had them since the university developed them f- several decades ago. And Swan is just wonderful, and uh, but I, I've had problems. Now I, I only have four swans now, but I can't find them to buy them anywhere. I've looked all over the place, in, including box and the major uh, sellers. And mm-hmm. I can you tell me where I can buy some more? Um, and maybe one I'd... thing about the mm-hmm. swans too. They bloom many times during the summer. As long as you deadhead them, they keep right on blooming. Thank you. Livia, that's extreme light. They are recurrent bloomers or ever blooming roses, so that's very helpful. If you deadhead, they will uh, rebloom for you. Um, I would, when you go to Bachman's or your favorite nursery, tell them that you want to buy. Um, the lena and ola and sven which one you're looking for they might not be able to get it for you this year but ask them if they could order it for you next year to have it come in ready for for spring planting next year you can also go to the um, you can buy them online i know you can purchase them online uh, from some of the rose-growing companies. Uh, but other than running to all the different nurseries, if you have a favorite nursery that you, and you can do this with any plant, um, if you want are looking for a plant, a special fruit tree or a special fruiting bush or a special um, annual flower, a perennial flower, and, and your favorite nursery isn't carrying it, talk to the manager, talk to the what, the, the uh, people there, and ask them, can you get this for me? There may be a reason why they can't get it. There may be something wrong with production or something, or they may just not be able to do that for you. Or they may be able to, in the next growing season, purchase that and bring that in for you. And uh, that way we can support our local growers. I don't know offhand of any nurseries that have them um, in stock right now. Uh, I can't help you with that, Livia. But good luck, and thanks for telling us how wonderful you like them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another phone caller coming in, Lyle, calling in from uh, Y Z this morning, I do believe. Lyle, what's your question this morning? Hi, a question for the Master Gardener about uh, oak trees. I've noticed in the last three, four weeks out in the street, a couple of oak trees I've noticed. are The leaves are oh, turning brown on the tips and uh, kind of droopy, and, and I've never noticed that in the years past wondering if something is happening and i don't know what kind of oak trees they are but uh, mm-hmm. is there something happening this year
3: um lyle i don't know of anything specifically that would do that except the s- extreme weather conditions we've had we've been very droughty and it could be that those those oaks are just suffering from drought uh, maybe the homeowners who have those oaks can give them a little extra water uh, of a full grown tree can grab 500 gallons of water a day and none of us can supply that. Our our weather, our, our watering can't supply that. There's certainly our pocketbooks can't supply that water to them. But we can do what we can um, to water them um, as we can. And uh, I don't know of anything that would cause just brown tips like that except the watering conditions. That to me seems like a, a weather thing, not a disease or insect. But thanks for the question now. Thanks for keeping an eye on your oaks.
2: Yeah, very good. Thanks for the call. And if you uh, would like to call in your question, great. If you want to just send a text, like so many people are doing, six five one four six one nine two two six. Texter says this: Teresa has they, they have a Honeycrisp tree that's uh, been in the ground for eight years, never had any blossoms. So let's see if I can interpret this next line. So this last spring, I, I'm sure they, they, they uh, were put on a new Honeycrisp branch. I'm not sure exactly. It's kind of garbled, okay. and that one did get some blossoms. I guess uh, what I'm they're asking is, what do they need to do different, or just wait till next year?
3: I, I would say, um, make sure you water it very well. Keep it well watered. It's probably was probably ready to start blooming, and then we went into drought for three years now, and so that kind of stresses the tree. Honeycrisp take a long time to become adult, and it, you have to understand also. What is the tree grafted on? Is it a a dwarf tree? Those usually can fruit for Honeycrisp. They're like five to eight, and the semi-dwarfs maybe from eight to 10. And then a full-grown Honeycrisp might be even 12 years or later, that, that's very unusual. Most apple trees fruit a lot sooner than that, depending upon the size. But um, So what size is the tree? What kind of what source is it grafted on? Make sure it's well watered. You may want to top dress with a little compost this year. It could just be that the tree just is not big enough, or if it's blooming and the the buds are freezing off or something like that, um, are you in the right zone for the Honeycrisp? Uh, I, I, I think it's a zone 4 plant, so if you're up in 3B or 3A, you may not be finding that Honeycrisp is working for you. So make sure what size of roots, uh, what what style of roots you've got in there, and then uh, that you've got the right plant in the right place. Uh, it's getting full sun, it's getting lots of water, uh, nice n- nice rich soil for it, top-dress with compost, and that you're in the right zone. Good luck with your Honeycrisp.
2: A couple of days ago, Teresa, I received uh, the publication of the magazine, if you want to call it that, from the Arboretum. And speaking of uh, honey Honeycrisp apples, which, of course, was developed at the U, I can't mm-hmm. believe it said in the article, it's 30 years old already.
3: Isn't that amazing?
2: Wow.
3: <laughs> Boy, time flies when you're having Honeycrisp. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, that's just amazing. And it, it's amazing how many of our grapes and and uh, azaleas and roses and, and apples have been developed by our, by our University of Minnesota. So yeah. thank you, Minnesota Arboretum.
2: Absolutely. Get out there. We'll talk about that next uh, half hour. Uh, I'll tell you what let's do. I know I'm getting a signal. Bruce, uh, you hang on the phone there. We're going to get your questions answered right after the forecast. And that's what we're going to be doing next. We have about another half hour of the show to go. Our phone number happens to be also the text number. 651 461 9226 here on Newstalk 830 WCCO. Weather's coming up. And a good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here, along with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, answering those particular lawn or garden questions. Just call it in or text it in, 651-461-9226. Teresa, we uh, promised Bruce calling in from Lake Crystal this morning that uh, he would be first to help you. Thanks, Bruce. What's your question? Good morning. I have two questions, by the way. I sure appreciate your program. I enjoy it much. Um, both regarding garlic and onions. My onions are starting to large enough that they're coming out of the ground. The tops of them are like a third of the onion is above ground. Should I cover them with dirt or mulch? And then my second question is Does it matter when you are curing or drying onions and garlic
3: if you hang them or display them so that they're upside down or right side up or laying underside or what's the, any certain particular way that you can retain the flavor best? Oh, those are really good questions, Bruce. Thank you. And we appreciate you, too. Um, so your onions, when they start showing their shoulders and they start to die back, that's when you can harvest them. So you can leave them in the ground till you're ready to harvest them. You don't want, need to cover them up or anything that's normal for them to start doing that. Uh, to show their shoulders, and when you're curing them, you're drying them, and it doesn't matter if you hang them up or lay them down. As long as there's good air circulation all around, it should not impact the flavor at all, just as long as you can get them in a nice dry location out of the sunshine and uh, and not in a humid location. You want lots of air circulation, lots of dry air circulation around. Good luck with your garlic and onions. It sounds like you've got quite a crop growing there.
2: Let us see. Thank, uh, Thanks, Lyle. Appreciate you hanging on. Uh, this texter has a beautiful hanging plant and impatient with, uh, uh, with dark, dark green leaves, beautiful pink flowers. It's been blooming all summer, and they went out yesterday completely wilted. They've been very faithful watering it. What could have happened to this plant? They want to know.
3: I think it it probably just just dried out and unexpectedly dried out. That that would be my guess. I would just, uh, if if they haven't already watered it and it's come back again, then if you can, take the plant down and set it in a bucket of water for like 15 minutes so the entire root ball can get hydrated. Lots of times... Um, the root balls get so filled with roots that, that there's not much soil left in there. So they can become hard and dry in the center. And you think you're watering it and the water's really just running off the top and down the sides and, and outside um, inside of the plant container but it's between the soil and the container. So you think you're watering it and you're, you're getting the last little inch of water around the plant's soil ball, but you're not getting to the center. So if you can rehydrate that entire thing, that will help it. I hope they can bring it back.
2: Okay. This listener is seeing fewer Japanese beetles this year. This listener wants to know, are you hearing about the same thing from others?
3: Actually, I haven't heard of many people having Japanese beetles at all, which is a wonderful thing for me. I love hearing that or not hearing that. And, and it's just, you know, they cycle through. So it's possible that the grubs died, or something, or they're just not. They're, we just don't have the big po- uh, population press, but we haven't run into a lot of them, even on the Master Gardener list list serve. Um, I haven't seen a lot of people saying that there's tons of them. Some people have some, but it's not like a horrendous pressure uh so that's nice that's good uh birds are starting to eat them more so make sure you're inviting birds into your garden if you happen to have japanese beetles and people are more aware of them so they are catching the first ones that come in and they're getting rid of them so they're not seeing the pressure that they might have if they waited until the full invasion was there for them
2: okay This listener wants to know, what is this neon green insect about three centimeters in size on top of crabapple leaves that jumps? It makes the leaves curl and turn color.
3: I have absolutely no idea. Hmm. What I would do is, if possible... Take a picture of it or get a really good description of it and then go to the extension website, extension.umn.edu. Then way at the bottom, you can ask a master gardener and you can actually send in up to three pictures and ask a master gardener what it is. Um, you can also go to the extension website and that will give you some ideas. What insect is this? If you can start to figure out, is you know, is it a, is it a, a grasshopper? I don't know that they're neon green, But what is it, it'll ask you, you know, is it a beetle, is it a butterfly? And you can maybe um, narrow it down a little bit that way. But offhand, I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. All right.
2: Let's grab another phone call. Teresa Roger, I believe, is calling in from uh, Waverly this morning. Roger, good morning. What is your question?
3: Good morning. Thank you for
2: taking my question. Yes, I have a mature ash tree which has some wind damage damage. Uh, just recently, and the branches are broke off, but not completely disconnected mm-hmm. they're kind of hanging on by the bark. yep, is it okay? Is it okay to cut them off now? Yep. And, Get those, have, yep, and I also have some dead branches that aren't broken off that are hanging down. Can I cut them now too?
3: You can cut the dead ones that's fine. Get the broken ones out of there, too. You may want to call in a an arborist to take care of that because if it's a big tree, they can do it at the right at the, all the right places and everything else. But yeah, you want to get those broken ones out of there, especially because as they break more, they can take more branches with them, and so you want to limit anytime you're seeing any kind of damage on your trees, you want to get that damage out of there and always remove the the dead wood. Dead can be removed at any time, but broken branches you do want to remove those as quickly as you can, so that you um, you don't cause more damage to your tree. Good luck, Roger.
2: Teresa, more than a couple of questions about uh, tomato uh, the bottom end rot. Uh, how, you know, what does it come from? How to prevent it? Will it spread?
3: Okay, so <clears throat> blossom end rot on tomatoes. What happens is it's it's a lack of calcium in the tomato fruit itself. And what happens is uneven watering by us humans or over fertilizing, we cause the, the feeder roots in the tomatoes to die. And so there's not a lot of feeder roots. Say instead of 100, you have now have 20. Those little roots have to go out into the soil and find the calcium. They can only bring up the calcium that they can find because there's only twenty roots now working instead of a hundred. And when the tomato starts to add to create the, the plant starts to create the tomato, it gets to the end and it doesn't quite have enough calcium. So it just says, Oh I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fudge it. I'm just gonna fake it. And so it fakes it. But that causes as the fruit ripens, it causes that black the bottom part to rot. The blossom end apart to rot. So you just cut that off and eat the rest of the tomato. It's fine. By that time, your tomato plant will have gotten past the image, the baby stage, the, the the juvenile stage. It should be a little more mature, have more roots. Um, hopefully, you've evened up your watering. You're not over fertilizing it, and it'll be able to grab the calcium from the soil um, that it needs because it has enough roots to do it. It's not that our soils lack calcium. It's um, our plants lack roots. So so we need to um, not impair the roots. So you don't want to over underwater it. You don't want to over fertilize it and burn those roots off Uh, this normally happens on early fruiting plants it doesn't normally happen on the small fruiting plants because they have enough um, nutrition they have enough chemicals and uh, what they need to make the tomatoes and it doesn't happen on plants that fruit a little bit later because they're a bigger plant as they start to fruit so your second crop should be just fine and that's blossom and rot
2: back to the phones we go gene calling in from egan this morning Jean, thank you. What is your question, Jean?
3: Good morning. We have some mature pine trees. Um, I can't remember the name of them. They've got the short, sharp needles, but these are about 30 years old. Mm -hmm. And the roots are above, you know, some of them are above ground, like you see, like Mm -hmm. the gnarly roots that kind of run along the top. Should we, you know, because there's like a little bit of sparse, grass also in between those roots Um, our lawn service runs by those roots and and I'm a little bit nervous that they're sometimes scraping the top of them Mm -hmm. is it is it okay to cover those roots with dirt and try to grow a little grass on top of them or is that bad to do that that is not what you want to do. Uh, those those roots are near the surface, and that's where they want to be. So the best thing would be is if you can maybe get rid of the grass and just lightly cover it with some mulch, and just have a mulched area under the tree and out past where the roots are. Then grow your grass and let that be lush and beautiful as a complement to your to your tree. But if it's sparse under the tree, it, the grass is struggling anyway, let's plant something else there. You could plant some dry shade plants or um, just some some mulch and put some mulch over it, even using the pine needles and just let them cover up those roots naturally. Um, that would be the best thing to do. If you decide to plant there, uh, hostas or whatever else, you may need some supplemental water because the the pine or the spruce may take a lot of the water uh, and prevent rain from getting down there. So you may want to put a soaker hose or a drip irrigation system in just for under that tree. The tree would like it too. And, um, and and then as you dig and you plant your plants, you would dig the hole, add some compost, and then backfill with the rest of the soil among the uh, for the for the hostas or whatever you're going to put in there. But I would say let's not grow grass under there. Let's just give up on the grass there. Grow it out in the sunshine, and let's do something else under the under the tree. Good luck with that,
2: Jean. Before we head to a break, let's grab another phone call. I think Linnea is calling in from uh, Hinkley this morning. Uh, Linnea, thank you. What's your question for Teresa?
3: My question is, I'm calling in for my daughter. She has a large organic garden, and she's battling cucumber beetles and squash bugs. Um, And they don't use pesticides. So do you have any ideas or solutions? Yep. Uh, So what she needs to do is... Do a lot of looking on the leaves of the plants to to squish the eggs that she's seeing, and then she'll she'll need to um, it, whatever kind of pesticide she does use, whether it's the soapy water or whatever, um, or just just try to to hand catch the beetles or trap them. But the best case would be if she could get those eggs taken out of there. You can even put duct tape um, around your hand with the with the sticky side out and just press on the bottom of the leaves and you can pull up a lot of the eggs that way or squish a lot of the eggs. You've got to get ahead of those because those, those critters just Reproduce exponentially, so you've got to really work on that. Um, also, I would go to the extension website extension.umn.edu and see if there's any other suggestions that they can help help you with. Good luck with that, Lenny. I hope your daughter works out that out. That out. Very good.
2: Hang on, Teresa. We'll uh, take a quick break and we'll come back. We have more questions to get answered here on our Smart Garden Show six five one four six one nine two two six. Right now, here in the Twin Cities, it's going to be a hot week as we've been mentioning. We'll have a high today of about 86 or so with a chance of showers. Right now, here in the Twin Cities, it's going to be a hot week, as we've been mentioning. We'll have a high today of about 86 or so with a chance of showers. But Wednesday's high, near 99. will be in the 90s pretty much all of this coming week. Right now in the Twin Cities, 67 degrees. Stay with us. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We have the remaining minutes with... Okay. (laughs) All right. Sometimes these computers have a mind of their own. (laughs) We're back at it with our Smart Garden Show Master Gardener, Teresa Rooney, uh, answering those lawn and garden questions. And, Teresa, we have so many, as usual, so many text messages we're never going to get to. I'll try to save a few uh, for uh, opening act uh, next week for... Our show. In the meantime, let's see how many folks we can help out. Uh, here's one. It says, my hibiscus plant has tiny, white, tiny blossoms at the top of long stems. There are natural blossoms soon to open on lower branches. What's the function of these uh, tiny white blossoms?
3: I have absolutely no idea. I'm wondering if another plant could have seeded in there. And mm. uh, I don't know if it's in a pot or in the ground, but that sounds like a different plant.
2: Okay, uh, here's another one. We transplanted a small hydrangea plant this spring from our son's home in Chicago. The plant is growing beautifully, but we've had no blooms and there are no buds. Is this because of moving it, or should we be using maybe a special fertilizer? I think they had a few small flowers last summer. Thanks for it, the que- the answer.
3: It it depends on what kind of hydrangea it is. It may have been hardy in uh, bud hardy in uh, Chicago, maybe not bud hardy here. Uh, if you prune, pruned it at the wrong time, you may have pruned off the, the uh, flower buds. So you need to know what kind of hibiscus, it, I'm sorry, hydrangea it is. And then go to the extension website or head out to the arboretum. They have a great whole hydrangea garden that you can look at what each hydrangea is supposed to look like. Uh, and then that will help you. Make sure it's getting enough sun. That if You may want to give it a little compost. But um, I, I think it's probably, there might be a issue with hardiness with that plant, depending on which hydrangea it is.
2: Okay. I think this may be uh, the same stuff we were talking about in earlier shows. A listener says, I have a, shine, a, a shiny, sticky residue in all my backyard plants. Any idea what it is and what to do about it? The plants seem okay.
3: Yep. Yep, that's honeydew. It's coming from something above them. Maybe you have a honey locust tree or some other tree that has some aphids on it up there. And it's just the aphids are are sucking the sugars and the juices out of the plant. And then they're excreting what they don't use, and that falls down on the other plants. Um, usually rain can wash it off, or you can spray it off with water. If it stays, sometimes it can get kind of fungusy and moldy and look kind of black and yucky. It doesn't hurt other plants. It's just honeydew. It's just what the aphids have left you.
2: Okay. Enjoy the show. Good morning. This one says, thought you might be interested in our experiment. We had a bell pepper plant that broke off. We stuck it in water uh, until it grew uh, one new root. Then we Mm -hmm. repotted it. Now it's doing well. Has blossoms. We're hoping to get some peppers from it. Glad we saved it. That sounds like fun. Yep,
3: that's wonderful. And you can do that with a lot of your tomatoes and and pepper plants. You can bring them in the house in the wintertime if you just take slips off of them like that, too. That's great. I'm glad you did that. Good luck with your pepper.
2: I'm trying the same thing with a hydrangea tree uh, with one of those volunteers. Okay. Uh, I took your advice, and I I cut it diagonally, and I put it in some good soil, and I guess just keeping my fingers crossed. Let's see what happens. Just keep your fingers crossed.
3: Keep it moist and see what's going on. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's
2: fun. Uh, here's a blue muffin viburnum leaves riddled with holes. Uh, think the damage is being done by leaf beetles. What can be done at this point to minimize the plant damage?
3: You know, it's not really a big deal. I would just uh, make sure you keep your your plant well watered. My blue muffin gets aphids every year and ants, and then the the ladybugs came and come and clean it up. Uh, but she always gets she gets um, aphid issues. Uh, but yeah, if they're getting some little leaf be- leaf beetles. It's not really a big deal just as long as the plant is at least, say, 50% of the leaves are still there or half of each leaf is still there. You should be fine. The plant will photosynthesize just fine. Just keep it well watered and kind of give it a little extra compost maybe.
2: Texter says, should you remove the burlap from the roots of a tree before planting?
3: You know, if you possibly can, I would remove as much as possible. Not all that burlap is natural burlap. A lot of it's synthetic, which will mean it will not break down for a really super long time. So it, why force your plant to have to push roots through that stuff? If you can carefully remove it, and once the plant is in the hole, remove as much as you possibly can. There's no sense having that underground.
2: I think I know the, your answer to this lawn question. Can I fertilize my lawn now, weed and feed?
3: No. No. Please don't fertilize your lawn. Please, no fertilizing. Um, just just water it if you want to do anything nice for your lawn. Give it a nice drink of water early in the morning. Make sure you water deeply and irregularly, and then just hope for the best. No and fertilizing.
2: I, and I've heard you and your colleagues mention that one of the best time, if not the best time to fertilize the lawn is, is toward fall.
3: It's in the fall. Yep. That's when the yeah. plant is adding a lot of root growth and bulking up for next year. So that's when you can that's when you want to put down your winterizer at the end of uh, August and the beginning of September. And uh that helps you green helps the lawn green up nice in the spring.
2: Wondering texture says why my bush green beans are so viney this year. My endless summer hydrangeas have very few blossoms. I've been fertilizing and watering regularly.
3: You know, a lot of that is just Stress on the plants, Uh, if you're not seeing a lot of blooms, the the plants are just stressed and they can't put blooms out. If your green beans are just vining, hopefully you planted bush beans, not vining beans. But uh, it could just be a little stress. Uh, the, it's just too hot for the blooms to come out. Uh, and even if the blooms are there, you might not get pollination because the, the bees and the the pollinators might not be flying just because it's too hot and dry. So make sure that um, if you can leave some puddles out for, for those pollinators, usually they take care of themselves with, with doing that. But if you can give them a little supplemental and then... Um, if you see flowers on your plants, go ahead and do your cross-pollination yourself if you don't think beans are doing it. But I think we're just seeing a lot of heat stress and and, uh, and water stress on our plants.
2: Dexter says, please tell us again how to rid thistles from lawns. Any ideas?
3: Yep. So, so uh, mow your lawn and then you've cut down the thistle already, but go back to where those thistles actually are and cut them off at ground level or just below and keep doing that go out there every every two or three days if you see little thistle leaves coming up take them off cut them off Um, eventually you will starve the roots but those roots are pretty big and they have a lot of energy in them so you want to prevent any photosynthesizing you want them to just have to keep using their stores that they have on their roots to push leaves out and then you take the leaves off so they never can increase their their pantry again you want them to decrease their pantry so they die of starvation.
2: Another Japanese beetle. This is more of a comment. Uh, the Japanese beetles have show, uh, showed up actually on the 4th of July doing damage to our wild grapevines. This comes mm-hmm. from a listener in West St. Paul.
3: So mm-hmm. Yep, they go. like grapevines. Yep, they do. And again, if you can possibly increase your bird population, that will really help uh, bring those birds in. You know, they get they get full of Japanese beetles kind of like we might get. Too full of green beans or corn in the summer and they can't look at another one, but at least they can hit your population down a little bit.
2: Teresa, we have about a minute, minute and a half to go. Let, let's grab one more, uh, uh, and probably our last uh, question. My new clematis needs a mulch layer. Is there an alter- alternative for landscaping fabric?
3: Yep, you don't want to use landscape fabric. You, just just put down a shredded bark, bark mulch of some kind, some kind of shredded mulch, or just top dress with some compost and use that as a mulch instead. Got to keep those roots cool, but do not use landscape fabric.
2: All right, we've got uh, like a half a minute, uh, Teresa. Let's certainly get to the Arboretum Highway uh, 41 and 5. You can check it out mm-hmm. online. Uh, and that's where you make your reservations. you got to get out there. But give us real fast now the uh, university website, if you would,
3: please. Edu, And please stay hydrated.
2: Oh, good point. And, and for the pets out there as well.
3: Take care you of your would. pets. That that concrete is hot. So Very don't be hot. walking your dogs. It's like 150 degrees sometimes that's on that right. stuff. Yeah, we burn their little paws.
2: Teresa, always <laughs> fun. We'll talk soon.
3: Talk to you later. Bye-bye.
2: Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Now, coming up next at 9 o'clock, Andy Lindis will join us. Any kind of a home improvement question is on your mind. By all means, call it in or text it in next hour. It's going to be a warm one. Chance of showers today, 86 the high today. We could be near 100 by midweek. Stay with us.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,